Welcome into the Lockdown Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. The Knicks win of the season? We'll address it 106 to 100 over the Los Angeles Clippers. Alex, missing two key pieces. About as good as it gets. The Knicks also played another game this weekend. Maybe we'll talk about it a little. Yeah, mostly though, that Clippers game was maybe the most important win of the Knicks season. They needed this one to keep their playoff positioning where they want it to be, which is soundly in that four seed. And also they put themselves one step closer to not making the play-in and played in probably their most playoff-like atmosphere of the season. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Derrick Rose's fantastic play. We'll talk about uh, Julius Randle's clutch shot making on a day when he didn't necessarily have it going the best. Reggie Bullock's brilliance, all kinds of great stuff. Next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Again, I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times, which is quickly approaching. Uh, feeling pretty good about that. And I'm joined by the great Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. And the Knicks, playing like one of the great teams in the NBA, they go on the road, a 106-100 to victory over the Los Angeles Clippers. Alex, significant on a number of accounts, just flat out, might have been the best win of the Knicks season, taking into account the stakes, given who they were missing, given who the Clippers were not missing. It puts them up three games over the Boston Celtics in the standings to avoid the play-in tournament, which is four games left in the regular season. So that is an extremely good thing. Um, and it was it was just awesome. I mean, the way it went down uh, with Derrick Rose carrying them throughout the first half when their stars really didn't have it going. R.J. Barrett, Reggie Bullock really stepping up on both ends of the floor in the third quarter. And then Julius Randle, as he's done all season, taking them home. But Alex, I'll leave it up to you. Where do you want to start? And and maybe most importantly, was this, in your mind, the best win of the next season? I think it was. I mean, it, you know, you just you just mentioned all the stakes, right? Like the the fact that this was a national TV game, um, a big, you know, the big matinee on Sunday, you know, that, you know, that anybody that wants to watch basketball is going to flip this game on. Um, you know, you've got the the Clippers at full strength, which, you know, there've been during the Knicks win streak and stuff, you know, you could probably argue like, yeah, they beat some good teams, but some of them were, you know, kind of hobbled and not in, in the best of shape, you know, like the Lakers, for example, they faced, at the probably at their low point, you know, as far as as far as available talent goes, um, and we'll see if that ends up being the case again with the Lakers uh, with the game on Tuesday, which would be another national TV game. They might have to face basically a full strength Lakers team, depending on how healthy LeBron is. But um, 
as far as you know this game goes, they they got a fully healthy healthy Clippers team. Um, and the big thing to me was, I thought that this game was the most playoff like game that they've played this year, and that's important for them to get under their belts too. Like this is a game where the other team never bent, never broke. You know they had to play like their best brand basketball pretty much the whole time. And that had to, you know, happen with Julius Randle shooting seven of 19 as well. And they still managed to make it happen, score enough points to win the game. Julius Randle manages to, you know, get enough clutch shots in the last three minutes to make things happen for the Knicks and help them win the game. Um, But the big thing to me was the officiating. I don't know how you feel about this, but, this is one of the first games in recent memory that I could think of where I was like, the officiating was good. I, I actually, I thought that I really liked how they, they just let them play. You know, they, they called fouls when they were fouls, but not like, you know, every little ticky tack, you know, brush of the hand or whatever it was called. And I, I thought that was great. You know, that I think that's more how the Knicks and other teams are going to get called in the playoffs. And because that's just how things go in the playoffs, they let you they they loosen up the whistle a little bit and they let you dictate the game rather than the refs dictate the game. And so I think that in that regard, this was good practice for the Knicks. Also, just the fact that this is a an actual finals, you know, contender. This is not just a good team. This is not like the Grizzlies or, um, you know, whatever other team you want to you want to bring up that the Knicks, you know, have played recently. I would even argue the Clippers are more legit of a title threat than the Suns to some degree, though the Suns certainly have looked really, really, really good. So, you know, it, it's just like, I think this was this was as good a test as any for the Knicks to get ready for the playoffs. Granted, I don't think the Clippers play anything like what, the, what their first-round opponent, most likely the Hawks, plays like. Uh, granted, it could also be the Heat, which I think maybe the Clippers play a little more like the Heat. So maybe that's a, a good test in a way for the Knicks. But e- either way, you know, just getting that experience of playing in a playoff-like atmosphere a- against a team with playoff-like officiating, I-, I think was really big for the Knicks in this game. And uh, it-, it was it- the only thing, I guess, maybe that seemed a little lacking. And, you know, this doesn't need like a whole big aside. But for whatever reason, I don't know what percentage they're allowing in at Staples Center, but or maybe it's just how ESPN was recording the crowd sounds that made it sound less. But I mean, their their building sounded like there was like five people in it. I don't know what it was. It just sounded very different from how MSG has been sounding at ten percent capacity. But that was the only thing I would say maybe was lacking in terms of playoff environment. Otherwise, otherwise it was right there uh, as far as getting the Knicks ready for that. Yeah, we were, or at least I, I was reading post game that. There were there were chants of "Let's go Knicks!" One person shouting "Knicks tape" cascading through the Staples Center. <clears throat> Excuse me after the game, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I really I really do think this was their best win of the season. This Clippers team is enormously talented. I would argue probably the second most talented team in the NBA outside of a fully healthy Nets group, and the Knicks by all accounts, should have been overwhelmed at a number of different spots. Kawhi Leonard going up against R.J. Barrett, Paul George going up against Reggie Bullock, uh, even um, Avika Zubac and DeMarcus Cousins. It, it was pretty clear throughout the game that this is where the Knicks really miss Mitchell Robinson. They were just physically too big and too strong 
for for Nerlens Noel in particular, and he, even Taj had, had his issues with Zubac, who, who just got a bunch of dunks and cleanups around the basket. Um, Rondo had a few moments like that that big battle for the loose ball where he recovered it and threw this insane no look to Cousins coming down the lane who flushed it and then he stared down Randall. Like this is a team that has players coming in waves and waves and waves. Reggie Jackson was raining threes and layups on them in the first quarter. And yet the Knicks stood their ground again in, in what was for the most part, arguably Julius Randall's worst performance of the season or, or, or amongst them. Um, certainly in a, in a big game up until the fourth quarter of this one. And it just didn't matter because the Knicks all of a sudden have this this depth of talent and grittiness that's up and down their roster. And it's it just games like this that reaffirm something has really shifted in this team over the last 15 or 16 games where they've been so good. It's not just that they got hot. It's not just that guys started hitting shots. There's a new level of shared collective confidence and cohesion and this ability to overcome slow starts that are, I mean, frankly, seem to be associated with Alfred Payton. And it's partially because they just have that resilience baked in and that confidence that they're going to be able to come back and win it. But you got to give, I mean, as much as you would, would knock Tibbs for starting Elf for whatever reason, you got to give him credit for when he wasn't playing well. He, he essentially just went away from him. I think there was a stat out there that Elf has played in the fourth quarters in just seven of the last 31 games. And so Tibbs recognized the issue, has clearly acknowledged how amazing Derrick Rose has been of late, which I want to get into uh, very shortly in the next segment, um, and, and course adjusted. And it's the reason the Knicks won this game. It's the reason they were even competitive against the Suns when they really struggled out of the gates in that one. Uh, but that's a conversation for just a sec, Alex, because first, I want to I want to help people uh, not only get jobs but do some hiring. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like if you're a Knicks fan out there and you you have a big position, you're like, you know, what I want to want to go hire some more Knicks fans. So if you're the hiring expert for your company and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates, you need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post screen and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately. And Indeed skills test that on average reduces hiring time like 27%. That's a big number. I would say the Knicks are at least 27% better this year than they were last year. You can choose from more than 130 skill tests that add your must-have requirements, so you only pay for applicants that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Alex, we are back on Locked on Knicks. Um, a, lot of, a lot of individual areas. We can start this one. Uh, where do you, where do you choose to start talking or really going deep on this game? 
I mean, you sort of teased it. I think we should probably talk about Derrick Rose first. Um, you know, it, it's like you said, <laughs> the Alfred Payton experiment is over, or at least it should be. And yet we're still going through this like seven, eight minute handicapping period at the beginning of at the beginning of each half where the Knicks play Alfred Payton and spacing is terrible. I mean, there was one particular possession that really stood out to me where uh who's the who's the play-by-play guy i didn't recognize recognize who it was on espn yesterday oh it was uh dave pash a good friend of bill walton who i one time shared an elevator with great guy there you go really cool yeah it was kind of an odd couple i feel like he and mark jackson don't normally work games together Um, yeah i think they do they do some west coast games occasionally but but it was it was interesting because it was clear he, I, not that he didn't do a very good job, but it was also clear that he hadn't watched the Knicks a lot, which I think is you're about to get into with his comments on Elf. Yeah, yeah. Well, mostly with him, I was actually going to say he he did the the normal thing that happens at least once a game, which is he noted he did almost the Breen where he noted like, oh, and Kawhi Leonard leaving Elf for Peyton alone <laughs> to shoot, you know, from three. He's only a twenty whatever twenty seven percent three point shooter. Uh, you know, he's just leaving them all alone out there. And that happens so many times when Elf's out there where he just gets completely left alone and is, you know, not treated like a serious threat on offense. And that makes life so much harder for RJ and for Randall. And when Rose is out there, it's so different. The thing that I would note, I guess, with the Elf thing was Mark Jackson at one point did the same thing that every internet person that has no other argument goes to as far as Elf's concerned. I was like, well, Tom Thibodeau is a lot smarter than you are, you know, Mr. Guy on Twitter. Like, obviously, he knows what he's doing if he's playing Alfred Payton. It's like, I don't know, a whole different discussion. But I hate that there's this whole, like, like idea that just because Tibbs is a good coach and a smart coach and a coach in the NBA, that there's no room to criticize him uh, just because his status should afford him, you know, leeway to keep playing a bad player for 15, 16 minutes a game and, and shooting the Knicks in the foot. Uh, but at any rate, maybe once quickly and Burks are healthy, that might change. Wait, so but they, did, did you hear when Pash, like, I think it was right after that was like, yeah, he's been, he's, he's been a key. Well, no, I think he, he made elf made one bucket and Mark Jackson's like, yep, that's why he's playing. And, and Dave Pash was like, yeah, he's been a key part of their team all season, integral to this turnaround. And I was just like, ah, I don't oh, know man. how many games you guys have been watching, but yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was like, I was rewatching the game and kind of like through the first half, it was sort of speed watching through some of it. So I might have missed that part because every time there was like a made bucket and they went to commercial or something, I was skipping it. I was just um, I, my my only thought was like. I, I knew he had Clyde's family hostage, but now now he's going after national guys. You, you have to, you have to end the reign of terror, Elf. It's over. You got to you got to give it up, man. <laughs> yeah, just get the hostage negotiator out. Here. Please, please. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll still say nice things. Just just let him go. They want to go home. <laughs> We're next. He's coming for the podcast. <laughs> the budget is allowing <laughs> for podcasters. We're just clearly, you know, I think we we, we were a little harsh out. <laughs> yeah. We'll do a total one. We were wrong. You know what? He is he is an amazing player. Tibbs knows so much better than us. Elf, please don't hurt them. His um, jump shot is just it's good. It's good. It's fine. <laughs> no complaints. <laughs> but um, at any rate, you know, once what, to get to the actual point that I was trying to make. Once once Rose got in there each time, I mean, his it's not even just that. You know, he's providing a better source of spacing and stuff. He's also just, I mean, he's ascended to a different plane right now with the way that he's playing. I mean, he's, 
he's he's like in some weird space where he's not quite his MVP self, but he's probably. I mean, I, oh man, I don't want this to sound like hyperbole, but he's probably the closest thing that we've seen to MVP Rose since MVP Rose right now during this stretch. I mean, I just I don't know if he's ever played this good of basketball since tearing his ACL um, because it seems like he's fully figured himself out. I, I guess maybe there were stretches in Minnesota where he was somewhat as good, like he did have the 50-point game in Minnesota and all that. Um so maybe I'm just being ignorant to how he was his last time under Tibbs, but it, just the way that he's played over this stretch with the the shot creation ability for himself and others. I mean, that that little floater push shot is like completely automatic for him right now. And in a similar way to how it was for quickly to start the year, um, his three point shot has been on, you know, he was two or three in this game. He's been shooting. It feels like about that stat line pretty much every game now, like two or three, two or four, something like that, which is more than enough to keep defenses honest in a way that Elf never can. Um, his just his distributing is is off the charts. He had eight assists in this game, and it, I feel like he's just gotten so much better at you know this time around versus last time uh, uh, with the Knicks of identifying you know guys that are open on the perimeter. And, you know, sort of making those reads before he even starts his drive so that he's not like driving in with no plan and then doing, you know, the Clyde thing, the cardinal sin of passing and just jumping up and, you know, either going for an ill-fated layup or trying to pass it to someone that he wasn't quite sure was there or not. So I think that his just like recognition has gotten so much better. And that's been showing lately in this stretch of games. And, you know, we even saw that in the Phoenix game to some degree. Like I thought that of all the players on the Knicks, you know, other than maybe Obi Toppin in, in the Phoenix one, uh, which was more just like a pleasant surprise, Rose was, you know, easily the best player there during that game. So, um, yeah, there's a there's a lot to like about what's going on right now with the with like Rose and all that. But I, I think he was probably my MVP of this game in a game that had a lot of them. Yeah, no, no disagreement. I mean, the Knicks opened this game down 10 nothing, and they would have gotten blown out, if not for Derrick Rose. I, I think that's easy to say. He starts off six for six from the field, finishes the first half with, with a blow-by for a layup um, in the closing seconds, 19 points, seven assists for him in half number one. And to your point, I mean, the floater, I i don't think I've ever, maybe I just haven't watched enough non-Knicks basketball in my life, but I don't remember a player ever getting this hot from floater range. And, and it's funny because we were, we were saying that at the beginning of the season about Emmanuel quickly, but quickly was doing it five feet from the basket for the most part, while Rose is taking a bunch of them from the free throw line or the free throw line extended. And it, it just feels like every, every time when he opens a game with that shot for like 12 to 15 games in a row now, it's gone in and then he's ended up making his next three or four or five shots. I mean, he's he's making a late run. I, I would argue he should maybe win sixth man of the year because he's he's played like an all-star. I don't think that's a stretch to say. I know I'm taking it even a step further than, than what you were saying about this being the best he's been since his MVP self, but I, I think it's warranted. I mean, he's been far and away the second best player on what's been one of the top two or three teams in the NBA over the last 16 games, which in this shortened season is a really significant stretch. 
And then on top of that, I mean, the playmaking is just at such a high level. The connection between him and Gibson is pretty amazing given their collective ages at this point, but the know-how just just works for them on that pick and roll and Rose's ability to set up a guy who is um, still still fairly mobile, but obviously relatively groundbound at this point and get him bucket after bucket after bucket. And I'll even, I'll even circle back to the Suns game. Just his pacing is so good with Chris Paul guarding him, who's sort of the king of, of, of manipulating in the pick and roll. He, he had that one play where he went between the legs as if he was going to go back to his left. Paul bit, then he goes back behind his back, um, crushes Paul into a Gibson screen, uh, skits around it, right-handed uh, throwback to R.J. Barrett on the opposite wing for three. And it just it's little, it's little moments like that where you see the combination of his skill in terms of his handle and his ability to throw those one-handed passes on a dime, um, his smarts, his understanding of his teammates, and, and still the threat of his athleticism and how he leverages it. Because the big, we, we were getting into this a little earlier in the year, but the big difference in this Derrick Rose and early career Derrick Rose is he used to be, he used to live at the free throw line. And now he, I mean, today in, in, in this game, that was arguably his best of the entire season. He took one free throw the entire afternoon. And it didn't, it didn't matter because he was so efficient in so many other areas. And it's because he's, he's figured out how to leverage the threat of getting to the basket without always getting to the basket. And yet he still has that in his arsenal. Once he sets a defense up with the floaters, with the three-point shot, he's able to blow by, get to the rim, find some easy ones. And then I'll just give him a shout out. I mean, we it's been a steady trend with him where he's had these dominant first halves, goes to the bench, gets a little cold, not necessarily as effective or, or maybe just getting less of a role coming back in with the starters in the fourth quarter. And yet in this game, two big threes in the fourth. Again, shots that were absolute momentum changers, a category that he was never known for being particularly exceptional in. And it just feels like all the work he's put in over the last 10 years. And, and for a lot of times over the last 10 years, I mean, how, how can we forget his Knicks fans? The package for him just didn't really come together. And it feels like all that work, all the skill development he's done to offset his lack of speed ha- are all coming to fruition at the same time, at this crucial moment for the Knicks at this crucial moment for him. And it's just rewarding to see a guy who clearly poured so much into his game. And I think I think it's a maybe not a unique accomplishment because other stars have done similar things, but it's almost like he turned himself into a star player twice in his career. He did it the first time with his incredible athletic abilities, incredible finishing, just what ridiculous shape he was in on that Bulls team. And now just from a skills perspective, it's like he's separately made himself into two star players. It's hard enough to make the NBA once. Derrick Rose has essentially done it twice. Pretty amazing, Alex. I'm going. I'm going way too far. So, uh, what, what are we? Uh, are we going to talk a little little sports gambling? Um, to to show yeah, I was going to say, you know, Rose has managed to turn himself into a star a second time. But if you want to turn yourself into a richer person, you can head to BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including the MLB, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch or tip-off or puck drop, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device 
and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs, like the Knicks. You could probably get a last-minute bet in on Julius Randle as the most improved player, though I don't know that the odds are the best at this point. I think he's far and away the runaway favorite, but you know, you could place a couple other bets too, maybe to to parlay that and turn that into a, a good bet for you. So if you want to check that out, head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. Again, go to betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, which, if you have not heard, is the best tasting protein bar ever. Why is that? Well, there's nine delicious flavors always available, plus occasional limited time flavors. But out of the flavors that are available every single day, coconut almond jumps out to me. Tastes just like an almond joy. If you're a fan of those, definitely check that flavor out. Mint brownie is fantastic. Tastes like an ooey gooey brownie in the form of a protein bar. Uh, Peanut butter brownie, also fantastic. Salted caramel, so tasty. You know, it's a little chewy, coated in 100% chocolate. So good. There's a little bit of everything for everyone. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can always get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of all of the nine flavors. Would highly recommend that if it's your first time trying Built Bars. Figure out what your favorites are so you know which ones you want to buy in bulk going forward. Because I-, I can tell you, after you get your first mixed box, you're going to want to buy them in bulk going forward. And that's because not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars that give you that rush of eating a candy bar, but they're actually good for you too. Most bars only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs, but have a whopping 17 grams of protein. You're not going to find that good of a ratio anywhere on any other protein bar. So if you want to order today and get that raspberry or the mint brownie or the coconut almond or whatever you like, head to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Gavin, we are back in our New York groove, I guess, just like just like the Knicks. Uh, what do we, I'm, I'm trying to think what we want to talk about next. There's plenty of other great performances in this game other than Derrick Rose. I almost want to talk about RJ and Randall um, sort of together because I, I think that they... They had some similar sort of moments. Both of them had kind of off shooting performances in this game. Uh, Randall was 7 of 19. RJ was 7 of 18. Granted, RJ's like effective field goal or true shooting was better because he shot 4 of 7 from 3. Randall shot 0 of 4. But the, the big thing that I noticed from both these guys was that even on an off night, they both took it upon themselves to make really big shots in this game. And... They still had the confidence to take them. They still had the ability to make them. And ultimately, they really helped push the Knicks to victory, even though they were having kind of an off game in this. And and that's going to be important come playoff time. You know, again, the, the theme of this one, of this whole game, I think, was just like, this is a preview of what the Knicks can expect in the playoffs. And, you know, Randall was getting a ton of defensive attention. It got to him a little bit to some degree, but 
you know, Tibbs noted after the game, he was drawing so much attention that helped open things up for everybody else. Um, he was kicking out to guys like to Reggie Bullock, you know, that connection was alive and well, as always, Randall was generating offense for his teammates. Um, and then RJ Barrett too, kind of similarly also had four assists, you know, he was creating offense for people as well. He had, so the, the two moments to stand out to me as far as shot making go at one point, uh, RJ was off on the, the right wing in the second half and he got left wide open from three. And I, I think, I think we all know, like that's kind of a, a hard position to be in sometimes. I think for an NBA player is being so wide open that you almost have nobody, you know, contending with you though. He did get a good, uh, DeMarc's cousins did kind of rotate and, and go to contest him right at the end. But RJ just like stood there and nobody was noticing he was open. So then he starts clapping so loud that you could literally hear it on the broadcast and like yelling for the ball, gets the ball thrown to him and like never hesitated for a second, even though the closeout was coming and just popped the three, made it right in Boogie's face. And that was at a pretty key juncture for the Knicks, like a little early midway through the the fourth quarter, where pretty much the whole fourth quarter, they they just kind of kept the the Clippers at arm's length which was honestly one of the most impressive scenes of the the season for me because they have struggled, especially recently, with getting leads against these really good Western Conference contenders and then squandering them. And ultimately, I mean, the Suns game was proof positive. Like, sometimes this team does play like a team that hasn't quite figured it out yet. Uh, but this game, they, they played more like a team that, that really did have it figured out and was ready for the playoffs. Uh, and then Julius Randle... I kind of briefly mentioned it earlier, but had an off night, but made, it was like, I think three buckets from three minutes to the end of the game uh, that were all super critical, including the one that basically iced the game. Um, a little, you know, mid-range shot to kind of put things away for the Knicks and put them up. Uh, that was, I think that was up by four at that point. And then, they got fouled, made a couple free throws that put them up by six. And that was the game. And uh, it was, you know, just a great performance by Julius. I think in that regard, I think he's caught a lot of heat. I mean, I know I see people, I, you want know, to talk about like armchair GMing or armchair coaching or whatever. I've seen a lot of people like on Twitter mentioning about Randall, like, Oh, Randall's great, but he can't close. He's not a, he's not a closer. The Knicks need a better closer. Like you can't trust him in key moments and blah, blah, blah. And I, I think it's just easier to remember the times where he missed a shot. But you have to remember that even like even Kobe Bryant shot like, you know, whatever, like 40 percent in crunch time or whatever it was, or, or maybe not even that. You know, it's like the best closers in the game still only hit it about half the time at best, you know. And so you can't expect a player to hit every single clutch shot forever in every close game. It, it just doesn't work that way. And Randall in this one showed, I, I think he's plenty good at, you know, kicking it in when the team needs it and making some crunch time buckets if they need one or two or three. And uh, I thought that it was, you know, on a day that was all in all just kind of whatever for him, that was a pretty ultimate redemption at the end for me where I didn't, I don't really look at this. It it felt like his, his shooting percentage should have been better than what it was based off those last couple minutes because it seemed like he did enough to like buoy it with that that little flurry of shot making there at the end yeah i mean can we just can we talk about 
RJ Barrett hitting nine threes in these two games against two of the four or five best teams in the NBA. If that doesn't tell you the shooting is for real, I, I don't know what will. And and the stats were out there this weekend, shooting right around 45% from distance since his first 10 games of the year, shooting better than Steph Curry from three in the month of April. The, the OKC game might have flipped that. Um, but it's it's just been nuts. And I, I'm just so impressed with, to your point, the moments where RJ's hitting those threes. Like the one, the one you were referencing came right after... Boogie Cousins got that dunk after Rondo out-hustled four different Knicks for the ball. And at least in my mind, I, I was kind of thinking, they better come down here and score because this is this is where the game is going to change and the Clippers are going to go on a run and take control and it's going to be exactly what we saw in the Suns game. And instead, RJ bangs that three and the Knicks are like, no, we're, we're, we're closing this out. We're going to win this one. And then flashing back to the Phoenix game, at the end of the first half, they had this little two-man game with Randall and RJ, where Randall was sort of driving um, kind of like across the top of the lane, and RJ was cutting off of it from the top of the wing into slightly closer to the right corner. And Randall throws on the run this perfect lead pass to carry RJ into his shot. And RJ, this is where you see all the work that he put in with Drew Hanlon over the offseason. The footwork was just impeccable. Catches the ball, one-two step into shot position, rises up, cashes it. And then in the second half, um, like literally 15 seconds in, Randall just throws him, throws him a little toss. RJ, four feet behind the line, bangs one in Dario Saric's face. And it felt like the type of three you typically see Emmanuel quickly take. And it was it was RJ Barrett, and I think more than anything else, you, you question or right, what's allowing this team to win and figure things out. It's that as Randall gets all that defensive attention, he has so many real outlets right now. I mean, IQ who's playing so well before going out these two games. RJ's hitting threes off of him. Reggie Bullock was ridiculous in, in the Clippers game after not playing very well against the Suns. Played sublime defense on, I mean, we, we haven't even gotten into that, but maybe it should have been the headline. The fact that RJ Bullock and Randall guarding them a bit down the stretch held Kawhi Leonard and um, Paul George to a combined 17 of 46 from the field. That's 37%. That, that's insane in its own right. And then Bullock was just pouring in fire on the other end. He finished with 24 points, um, hit a bunch of threes early, had a few big mid-range shots in the second quarter. Drained a few more in the third. He had 22 points by the near end of the third. And and the Knicks absolutely needed it because Rose came out in the second half. I mean, one, he didn't play for the first eight minutes of the second half because they insisted on putting Elf, who was awful, back out there. And then Randall was really, really cold. I mean, he had eight points going into the final six, seven minutes of this game, which is pretty much unheard of for him this year. And it was RJ and Reggie carrying them through that stretch, hitting big shot after big strat. And and that's really, I mean, you, you see the the completeness of this team here. Though I want to I want to circle back to your point on Randall and the defensive attention he's gotten the last couple of games from the Nuggets, then the Suns um, with, against the Suns it didn't really matter that much, um, but then again against the Clippers, and it tells you why. And I know we're, we're beating a dead horse at this point, but why you have to get Elf off the floor because teams that will will, will punish weaknesses during the regular season but they will torture them during the playoffs. We, we saw it with Golden State when they tried to play Andrew Bogut 
Um, we saw it with Oklahoma City all those years where they tried to put Andre Roberson out there. We saw it with Memphis when they tried to play Tony Allen in the playoffs very famously. Teams will just completely leave non-shooters against teams with a lot of other threatening players. And for the Knicks, what that means, because, I mean, as good as Rose has played and as good as RJ has played, the Knicks don't have another consistent bonafide all-star. It means they're always going to put that second guy on Julius Randle, and he's going to see that extra set of arms. You're going to see a lot of zone. The Suns went zone quite a bit, um, and, and the Knicks beat it a few times, and the Knicks got beat by it a few times. The Clippers were going zone pretty frequently, especially in the first half of this game, and it's going to give Randle a lot, a lot of trouble. And when you have IQ out there, you can't do that because he's going to be pulling up from 26 feet, and if you don't get out on him, he's going to hit over 40% of those shots. It's what he's been doing all season. Rose, all of a sudden, is a 40% three-point shooter. Peyton, you can leave all day, and it's just it's not going to cost you. And at some point, I, again, beating a dead horse, absolutely. Clearly, there, there are intangible qualities that Tibbs sees that Alfred Payton brings, I mean, particularly his ability to get to the rim, and it tips his mind to set the tone defensively. But in the playoffs, the Knicks are going to lose a game and in turn a series if they don't go off him because – it's just it's too much to ask the supporting cast to carry the Knicks through multiple games like that against some of the best teams in the league. Even a team like the Hawks, honestly, fully healthy, probably has at least, if not more, frontline talent than the Knicks do. So you can't play with one hand tied behind your back for 10 minutes every game because it's it's going to screw you. And you can, you can win a game like that, sure. You cannot win a series like that. And it's on Tibbs to come to that realization on his own. I have a feeling it's going to take a loss in the playoffs for him to actually make that adjustment, but it has to happen at some point because we're starting to see the effect on Randall, and he's so good that late in this game, going up against Paul George, who for all the crap he takes is still one of the best defenders in the world, he was able to overcome it, and it didn't really matter. He, he was he was hitting these incredibly tough mid-range shots. But he's not going to do that all game, every game. It's too much to ask, and the Knicks, they're, they're going to lose in the first round because of it if they don't change. Yeah, I'm, I'm in total agreement. I mean, they need to come to that conclusion sooner than later. I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe the tide was getting ready to turn, and then we had these kind of like out-of-nowhere injuries to Quickly and Burks that I, I don't even remember when they happened, quite frankly. You know, I... <laughs> All of a sudden, they were just on the injury report two games ago as being doubtful. Uh, you know, with Burks, maybe it was just kind of a... I think it had to do with that when he got kind of rolled up on uh, by Morant in that one game. Uh, but he had played the next game, so it was kind of weird. And then IQ, I don't remember him like spraining his ankle at all. I wonder if that must have happened uh, in practice or something. Because I I don't remember a single moment during a game when when that was an issue for him. But at any rate, once they get back, hopefully then Tibbs comes to the realization of, all right, it's time to play Rose in the first unit and play quickly in Burks as sort of the two-headed monster uh, of a point guard in the second unit and just banish Elf to the bench permanently because it's just not working. Uh, I don't know if he's going to come to that conclusion. I certainly hope that he does, but if he doesn't, then... It, yeah, to your point, he's going to have to probably absorb a playoff loss because of it. Luckily, he's not going to those guys down the stretch, but or to that that guy, I should say, down the stretch uh, in that unit with Alfred like he used to. Like he used to stubbornly just throw them back out there at the end of the game, too, because it's like, well, 
you know, starters got to start and finish, you know, no matter what you got to put the, got to put Alfred Payton back out there. And now he seems to have at least recognized, okay, Rose is the better guy to be playing with this team period to end the games. But one of these days that bad start at the, at the start of the, um, the start of the first half and the start of the second half is going to shoot them in the foot to the point that they're going to get down like 15, 20 points and not be able to, to, you know, drag themselves back out of that hole and they're going to end up losing a playoff game because of it. And maybe that will finally be what kind of kicks Tibbs in the pants about that. Uh, or maybe, maybe he just never will come to that conclusion this year and the Knicks will end up losing a series because of it, which would be super disappointing because they've worked really hard, I think, to get themselves in this position where they now are, are in a place where they could potentially win a first round series, potentially also have first, a home court advantage in the first round. Um, which we never thought was going to be possible for them. So I guess we'll see. I, I'll just give last shout out before we wrap up to RJ Barrett and Reggie Bullock, who I didn't realize before I really looked at the box score, played 46 minutes for Bullock and 45 for RJ. Shout out to them. I That was Ironman performances that honestly, I guess it, it says something that I didn't notice it because normally I feel like I would notice if someone was playing that many minutes because they might start dogging it a little bit. And they played with great energy the whole game. And to only have five combined minutes of rest between the two of them uh, says quite a bit about about the the type of endurance that they had in this game. And Reggie, I, I don't know if we shouted him out enough yet, but 24 points, 5 of 12 shooting from three, uh, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, a block. I mean, it was a... A really great performance by him, a team high plus 15, and he earned every bit of that. It's kind of actually, it's kind of crazy to think about when he was not on the floor. The Knicks, uh, for two minutes, the Knicks apparently gave up nine extra points when he was not on the floor. So that that's pretty insane to think about, too. Um, but yeah, shout out to, to Reggie Bullock and to RJ Barrett for their performances. But otherwise, I think I'm pretty much ready to wrap up, Kevin. I gotta, I gotta very quickly uh, shout out Obi Toppin. I mean, it's just a great two game stretch from him, and I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm not there yet. I think it's gonna take him making a big jump next season, but I, I at some point, I, it, we're, we're, and I'm very happy about this. I might have to do a Julius Randle style uh, walk of shame for for Obi as well. I, I actually haven't gotten to do my my Randle one um, in, in public where I'm. I'm, I'm publicly tarred and feathered and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just have to wear a Julius Randall Jersey around for, for like a month or something. And just maybe just like follow him around at Knicks games and offer him different appetizers or something. I, I don't know, but, but Obi's, Obi's pretty close to getting the, the same treatment from me because he's turned himself into a legitimately useful player. That was something early in the season. I did not see happening this year. I frankly wasn't sure if it would happen in his NBA career, and yet um, he's he's not a star. It's definitely not on the table, but he's turned himself into a guy who I think can play in the playoffs and not look out of place, and that is such a big jump from where he was at the beginning of this season. I mean, let, let's just take a look at the Suns game. I, one of my favorite plays of the whole year from any Nick, Chris Paul had him on an island if you were told that statement in the preseason, you would have said, all right, his his life is over. Chris Paul's about to take his soul. And I think even um, even the announcers were, were kind of, I think like Kenny Alvarez kind of saying like, yeah, not 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 the position, Clyde, you you want uh, you want Obi to be in 
Um, this is this is kind of dangerous territory. I said it against one of the most uh, deadly uh, one-on-one scorers in, in recent NBA history. And OB not only sticks with him, but blocks his shot, chases it down, runs over, and just jams it on the other end. And it was the ultimate, like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I'm just fine on defense. That all, all of that was a little bit overblown. Really stood out to me, too. There was another play where there was a deflection. Taj Gibson recovered it, shuffled it to OB in the corner, Shot clock dwindling down, and, and Obi just no hesitation. We've seen him all year when he has too much time on those corner threes. He tends to overthink it and ends up with a really bad air ball this time. In rhythm, drains it. Um, fourth quarter, Rose drive, kick out to him. Tory Craig scrambling to get out on Obi. Obi, instead of forcing up a three or, or just kind of hesitating, which is a lot of what we saw from him at the beginning of the season, Beats the closeout, center steps up, little jump off, slip pass to Taj Gibson for a dunk, and, and then hit another corner three um, off a really nice pass from Taj Gibson to make it 104-96. Obviously, the Knicks ultimately couldn't complete the comeback in that one, but it was a really good play. Uh, this game against the Clippers, a little quieter, but did have a n- nice three in Nicholas Batum's face. And again, I, I thought just did just enough in his minutes to buy Julius Randle that time on the bench he needed to recuperate and come back out in the fourth quarter and hit those big shots. Because you, you mentioned RJ and Bullock's minute totals. Randle with the load he's carrying on this West Coast swing with what he's been doing all season, for him to be as explosive as he needs to be down the stretch. And, and you don't necessarily think about it because he, he isn't typically getting to the rim in these situations, but the energy just to face up to drive hard, stop on a dime, and rise up. It takes a lot. And I, I really think Obi, like every every shot Randall hits down the fourth quarter, Obi's playing some small role in it because he gave him he gave him the benefit of that time to get ready um, physically and mentally to make those plays. So shout out to Obi Toppin, a guy who against all expectations, I think will play a role for the Knicks in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I'm with you, Gavin. Uh, I think I think Obi's had a great couple games as well, and uh, most importantly, gives the Knicks an option in the playoffs where you're not going to have to necessarily play Julius Randle for 45 minutes a night uh, and burn him out potentially in the first few games of a series. Uh, he'll be able to to you know hopefully get the required amount of rest to make everything happen the way you want it to. But I think that's it for today's episode. We will, of course, be back. There's a few Knicks games this week, including a uh, Lakers game Tuesday, which will end the West Coast trip. No matter what, the Knicks have secured at least a 500 record on this trip, which we had previously pegged as like the the uh, mark that they should be going for. You know, at least get 500 out of this trip and then come home and finish strong for that last little homestand. So they're, they're there already. They could potentially blow our minds and go four and two on this trip, which would be fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's a, a great day. And if you want to hear uh, some more Knicks talk, Gavin, you were on Locked On today, today, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it was me and, me and uh, Peter Bukowski. I found out he's also a New York guy. He told me, Alex, off the air, I don't know if he wants to be revealing it, but I'm going to do it for Knicks Nation. That he was he was rocking, if I'm remembering correctly, a Carmelo Anthony jersey while we recorded. So shout out to Peter Bukowski. Everyone, uh, go give a listen to your fellow New Yorker. Uh, he did, he does a really great job on that pod. And yeah, I was I was on today. So if you're looking for an excuse to check it out, uh, there's one. Yep. So check out the Locked On Today podcast. All the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. 
with Peter Bukowski. You can listen to it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. But uh, until next time, this has been Locked on Knicks, and we will talk to you all soon. Peace out.